baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Good morning, good morning, good morning. And welcome to Wiggins America, a place where it's always sunny in St. Louis. I am Ryan Wiggins, and I will be with you for the next couple of hours, so thank you for being here. A lot to get to this morning, and we are going to slow down a little bit in a minute. So we're in, in the next segment, we're going to talk to a friend of mine who is a historian, among many, many other things, businessman and so forth, law expert, about um, some of the historical precedents for what we're seeing happen in the United States right now. As you could probably guess, they're not good. Uh, the precedents that we're setting are not heading in the right direction. But if you ask somebody on the left, that's still apparently because of Trump. Don't know how that's possible, but uh, I guess it has something to do with him harping on election security. Don't you want election security? Don't you want to audit everything? Don't you want to know that your vote is your vote? I just can't fathom why people don't want that. But anyway, before we get to that in the next segment couple things. We're going to do some quick hits here. We're going to move fast through this segment because we're going to slow down in the next. One thing that I did want to bring up first, out of the gate here, Texas is bracing for this surge of migrants. They're pretty close at this point, but it's taking a while for them to get through Mexico. So this is why this is significant. What we're seeing in Texas specifically. Now, it's not just the border. The border doesn't comprise just of Texas, but it's majority Texas, is that we're going to see a standoff that will set a precedent for the way the rest of this looks. And if Texas is successful in stopping this surge, things are going to change. So the Remain in Mexico policy was deemed um, the law of the land, according to the Supreme Court, at least according to the, cor- the cur- current administration. So they tried to, a little bit of history on this, the current administration, the Biden administration, tried to strip away the Remain in Mexico policy that Trump had put in place. It was effective, and so they tried to take it away. Why did they try to take it away? They, they can't even answer that question, and they won't answer that question. If you ask Jen Psaki at a press briefing, which you're not going to do and I'm not going to do, But if one person from Fox News like Peter Ducey actually asks that question, she won't answer that question at all. Uh, She will divert attention. So the answer is it was effective and therefore we don't want to do it. But I digress. So what happened was some people sued. And I don't know if it was from the state of Texas or it was private landowners or who sued the federal government and said, look, you're making conditions worse by not using a policy that's already put in place between nations. So the United States and Mexico had an agreement 
United States wanted to now break that agreement, and conditions have gotten so bad the Supreme Court said, yes, you're correct, uh, that policy has to remain in place until you can show that your next policy is better. So I, that's, that's boiling it down. That That's not the actual legal decision, but that's the effect of the legal decision, okay? So I say that to say that because of that, Mexico has a vested interest in these Haitian immigrants that are now 60,000 immigrants coming up from basically South America. This started in Chile. If you're wondering, a lot of people are asking the question, why are we getting Haitian immigrants at the U.S. border? Haiti is an island. You're correct. These are Haitians who have migrated already to South America. And as usually happens, just like St. Louis has a Bosnian community, an Indian community, you know, people live together. So in Chile, especially, Haitian immigrants have grouped together and decided, and this already happened, and this is why we saw the first surge, to all together just make their way north through many other countries and finally Mexico and make their way to the U.S. southern border. Because they know, I think right now, that they're not going back to Haiti. And maybe some of these other nations are pressuring them that, you know, if you, especially if they're in those nations illegally, you're going to have to do something. So that's what they've decided to do because they see our wide open border as an invitation. So we're about to get 60,000 more. This is significant because the Texas um, governor, Greg Abbott, has decided that the best way to combat this is by using the Texas um, National Guard, I guess you'd say. Texas National Guard. The, the, uh, the Texas Rangers. To combat this, I mean, he's using everything at his disposal to stop the southern border from being completely overrun, which you've seen it is, but then they bust them into different parts, fly them into different parts of the United States. Texas has to deal with it more than anybody else. So they're going to try to stop this from happening. And this will be pretty much the first big stand up against this at the border with no help from the federal government. That's why this is a big story. That's why we're watching it. That's the first big hit of this morning. What does he know? Wiggins, America. The second hit this morning that I wanted to start with is about a fellow named Cash Patel. Have you ever heard that name before? He's done a lot of things in the Trump administration. Uh, he was an aide to Devin Nunez. He was a, I don't know, he was pretty loyal to President Trump. So I think he got quite a few positions because Trump never knew who he could trust and he could trust, trust Cash Patel. So he was in leadership in the House of Representatives. He was a staffer for President Trump's National Security Council. And he held several positions, including as principal deputy to the acting director of national intelligence. A um, lot, lot of intel positions basically for cash patel he has said that the durham report which has already indicted a couple of people they were lawyers for hillary clinton is laying out a broader scope basically they're laying a bigger net with those first indictments to stop the corruption that happened in 2016 so as you recall if you didn't know, I think most most people listening to this probably do know. But if you don't, just a little bit of a history on this. In 2016, the Hillary Clinton camp paid a guy named Christopher Steele, who was British, to come up with fake opposition research on President Trump. Basically make a bunch of fake documents and funnel them through nations like Russia and Ukraine and some of the European allies to make it look like different nations had their hands on this and that you could trust it. And then bring it back to the U.S. compliant press and say, look, 
we have foreign intel documents that Trump was colluding with Russia. And, you know, that's where you had some of this weird stuff, like he was with prostitutes, and he was doing weird, weird things in Russia. A lot of that rumor stuff started with the Steele dossier, as it's become known. It was all fake. That's the problem with it. And the uh, Clinton campaign funneled money through different uh, GPS sources and so forth, and it was all illegal. You can't do that. They tried to do this because they're such good friends. They're all, you know, the deep state, as we call them, the shadow government, the, uh, the swamp. They're all such good buddies that they'll work together on this kind of stuff. So they will take a document. The FBI took this document, and they started to spy on aides of President Trump. That's where you hear the name Carter Page. He was a Trump campaign aide. So they would spy on these people, and the trouble is the whole thing was a setup. And lots and lots of people involved in it knew that it was a setup. So it wasn't as if the Clinton campaign made this fake thing and then tricked the FBI, although some of them were probably tricked. They made this fake thing and then gave it to the FBI, who probably knew it was fake, at least some of them did, and then they together used it to spin a media narrative. And you still hear about Russian collusion. We got two years of special counsel of, uh, what's his name, Robert Mueller, that was on Saturday Night Live. It cracked. The, the whole point of it was to do exactly what it did, which is to create a narrative that he's corrupt. None of it was true. After the investigation, two years, Robert Mueller, none of it was true. None of it. So now, because of... The uh, former DOJ head, the attorney general, uh, what was his name? Bill Barr. Now John Durham, who was appointed by Bill Barr, has leeway to do this even in the uh, Biden administration. Normally you wouldn't see that, but Bill Barr made that possible on his way out. So that's why we're still seeing investigations happen to these people, even though the administration in place right now would never allow these things to happen. And Cash Patel says, we're going to see more. Will we actually see Hillary Clinton involved in this? I have a feeling we will not because she will pass the buck to everybody else and they'll be able to trace things back to all kinds of people around her, but not to her directly. And at this point, it's not really political anymore. Hillary Clinton's not running for office. So there's no, there's no sort of political fallout for this. It's just about justice for things that were wrong and criminal, and you can't do. But people, when they get to that level, they think, the swamp's protecting me. I'm, I'm standing in the middle of the swamp. Nobody can come and get me. And so I think it's noteworthy to follow this story, not because it's going to have any broad implications for things going forward, but it's good to know that there is still real justice happening in the midst of a lot, a lot, a lot of fake justice that's done for narrative purposes. So there's your lead stories. That's your big hits this morning. More on the way. We're going to talk a little history coming up next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Very glad to be joined by a longtime friend of mine who, if I had to come up with a title for him, I would say um, he is a 
law expert, entertainment producer, businessman, billionaire philanthropist. Is that fair? That sounds right. Let me turn your mic on so we can be official. Uh, Roy Wells is his name. Thank you for joining us early on a Saturday morning. I really appreciate that. No problem. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you in is because you and I, uh, during COVID, you know, when all of us were broadcasting from home, I was broadcasting from a studio in the basement of an undisclosed location that I'm going to disclose now as being Roy Wells' studio. Uh-oh. Yeah. So now everybody knows where I was last year, which has no impact on anything, which is why I'm saying it now. Um, But in the midst of that, you know, when we walk around here in the office, we're talking to people, we're talking to other radio stations, you know, we walk past Y98 and say hello. Well, during COVID, those other radio stations, other, other people I talked to were you. And that was in the midst of pretty much all of leading up to the election and then after the election. Mm -hmm. And you and I talked a lot about election integrity. Yes. Pretty much every day. I mean, we were watching to see what kind of news was coming out about this stuff. And we were shocked that there weren't more people talking about it. Right. And why? I mean, why why do you, I think I know the answer to this question, but tell me why you think that is. Well, part of it, I think, is people were afraid to to go out on a limb. They didn't want to be lumped in with the crazy conspiracy theorists. Uh, everybody was being overly cautious, I think. Generally, I think it was because people were wanting to cover their... Yeah, they wanted to be safe. Yeah, right. Do you think that's changed? In the last, because I've been back in studio here, for, you know, out of your studio anyway, for roughly six months. Um, well, out of your studio for longer than that, because I was at home for a, a portion of that too. Mm-hmm. But in the last, you know, we'll say since Joe Biden has, has actually taken office, do you think that's changed? And do you think that's because he's taken office? Now people are less worried. Oh, we, we got the guy in. I don't. I don't think it has, for the most part. I think a lot of people still, um, there. Well, it's probably changed in that I think a lot of people think it's we're too far along now. You can't go back. Um, but but there's still an element I think, especially with the the censorship and the um, all of that that's going on, trying to suppress any dissenting ideas. Um, People still, I know some of my friends and family who are conservative and um, they still don't want to commit that there was something, you know, more than just a couple of errors here and there. Well, let me ask you this, you know, because you you, you mentioned your family and, and I know some of your family and the the people that there's circles that you run in, <laughs> they're they're widely uh, political, like that's not all one or the other. You, Correct. You, you run with a lot of people, right? Who are all over the map politically. <clears throat> I think it's interesting when you say that Republicans, in general, or conservative-minded people, are still not really willing to sort of broach this subject. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to those on the left, are they even? Because it seems like, the, like you said, there are conservatives who are very, very much like in the camp that you and I are in that say 
man, there is no more important issue than this. Right. The, we've got to make sure elections are secure. And the more we audit, hey, if we find out states, like Texas is going to do an audit. If we find out Texas was, was fine, great. But let's do the audit to find out. Why right. not? Right. So we're in that camp. I think you and, I, you and I. And there are a lot of conservatives who are like, well, it's not really popular. It's not what... You know, people label label you kind of crazy for talking about it, mm-hmm. but they're at least aware of it. Liberals, though, and the left, do you think that they even in the circles that you run in, do they even know that there's been results from Arizona, for instance, or that there are these things no. out there? No, no, they don't. Uh, the people that I've talked to are th- what they're aware of is what came out pre-release of that which was oh biden won by more votes Isn't that amazing yeah so they're sort of in denial i think or or they've just chalked it up to crazy yeah right wing whatever so they're not even it was never on their radar it was never a legitimate story and so there's there's no movement there um but like i said with with the conservative side um the, it's still a matter of not wanting to go out on a limb um, because what what can anybody do? Well, why do you think that is? Is it personal security? Like, if I'm labeled as that kind of person, people will think I'm crazy and therefore I won't be socially accepted. I mean, is is that all it is? No, I think it's more of a hopelessness at this point. I think it's there's a lot of people who think nobody's going to be held accountable for anything. So why draw attention to myself? Why get into arguments with people? Because it, there's, it's really a lot of people, it's it's sad people that I've talked to recently who are extremely patriotic people, very, they love the country, but they are so hopeless right now that nothing is going to be done. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy though. Correct. Yeah. Because if you don't do anything about it, nothing will be done about it. I mean, the only reason that <clears throat> things like Arizona have happened, and I got to say, you know, if we're going to dive into Arizona, I'll say I'm actually still pretty disappointed with what we saw come out of there. Not that I'm disappointed with the results or, you know, I was expecting results or whatever. I'm just disappointed that they, we still don't know how many of those possibly 57,000 fraudulent votes, <clears throat> which I think it's safe to say. There, there is a huge number that they've deemed suspect. That number is close to three hundred thousand votes. Right. But we're, when we say fifty-seven thousand in Arizona, we're boiling that down to like, okay, we're almost positive, or they're almost positive. These are fake votes. That's why they bring that number down to fifty-seven-ish thousand, forty-two to fifty-seven. Right in there, they say mm-hmm. this number. You could take this to the bank that these are fake votes. Right. We still don't know who they're for. That drives me crazy. We assume that they're for Biden, but we don't know. And until we know, you can't give an official vote tally back to the Senate to say, okay, now what do you do with it? Because there's a fight over, do you decertify the election results? What do you do with it? Well, until you get that number, you really can't do anything. Right. And when I believe, again, I have no way of knowing, but my assumption is that even the people pushing the audit in Arizona, my guess would be there's a, there's a desire to appear that they're on top of it. 
yeah, we're we're supporting this audit. We found mistakes, but they know they can't do anything about it or they're afraid to do anything about it. It's unprecedented. You're not going to, you know, almost two years in, we're not going to say, okay, you're not president anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's go back. So there, there's no obvious solution. So cover your political behind mm-hmm. by saying, well, here we found stuff. Just throw a couple of crumbs to your, you know, conservative base, but don't commit to anything. Don't actually, you know, stir up more trouble by by being more definitive. Yeah. That's one issue for sure is just, you know, what's going to be done. The only thing I could see being done, I mean, since we're specific on Arizona, because there's lots of other states doing things. Like I mentioned Texas, like that's great that they're going to do that. They don't need to do that. But I think they want to know, <laughs> Texas and Florida are the two states that are like, we're going forward with everything all the time. Right. And that's why they get targeted so much by bad press. You know, any COVID number that comes out of Texas or Florida is like the the apocalypse. But Arizona in particular, you're right. The only thing I could see happening at this point out of Arizona, A, I would love to see them continue to audit and see, you know, because that was one county. There's people saying, right. let's audit the other, you know, Pima County. That There's problems there, too. Let's audit right. that county. I don't know what's going to be done. You know, if, if it's the same type of audit and you just come up with the same results, then you go, well, that was really fishy. Yeah. Well, we'll get them next time. You know, I, I mean, it's that's kind of where we're at. But the attorney general there is running for Senate much the same way that Eric Schmidt in right. um, Missouri is running for Senate. And so he's got a lot of eyes on him. He's trying to appease a lot of different people. That's fine. Mm-hmm. He has said that he's going to look into charges for people that he knows ha- have have been a part of messing with the machines, deleting files, because that's that's all part of the art that we don't even talk about. Right. You know, we talk about the numbers. We don't talk about the fact that there's people in there deleting millions of election files, which is very brazenly against the law. And apparently, they have video of these people. Like that's all happening now under the cover of night. Because that's what usually an investigation looks like. Right. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with letting the, these things play out as long as they are playing out. And I think that's the uh, the issue that you're addressing is, is anything going to be done? Well, I don't know. I hope that there is. But I'll say this. The only way that anything's going to be done, even if you say, okay, 2020 is over, nothing's going to happen. Because that divides people too. You know, Should we be looking backwards or should we be looking forwards? Right. Even if you're just in the camp that says, let's look forward, make sure the next elections are going to be secure, it's still something you have to talk about. Right. You can't just not talk about it and assume that everything is going to be fine or you're, you're toast. Right. I think that's that's what frustrates a lot of people is is, is the, the kind of the ignoring it and it'll go away. I think even, even on election night, there were people who obviously realized something was up. Mm-hmm. Um, even some of the Republicans in Congress within a couple of days of the election were already looking, well, we need to fix elections for the future. They had already moved on from Trump. <clears throat> yeah. So in in these cases, there will be some accountability. You know, somebody will get, okay, you violated something because you deleted yeah. files. But it's it's I think we're past the point of anybody looking 
yeah backwards it's it's happened it's over i don't agree with this i i'm not in favor of this but i just just from from my observations it just it looks like people early on had said we can't and whether that, that was because of this dislike of trump or the the system's too big to fail we can't afford that i think there were some people well intentioned maybe on the right who thought boy this is unknown territory it could just get really ugly so let's i mean yeah. it's not a surprise to anybody that people cheat in elections yeah no nobody thinks that elections are fully clean correct the question is just how big right and it's it's a I said this on the Andy Fry show this week. I was trying to find a term because ultimately this is a failure of the press. Yes. This is absolutely a failure failure of journalism to not look into these things with no I mean there's just no curiosity at all about it. None. Right. And in fact, the opposite. Like let's cover it up. Right. Like let's let's lead with stories that are about one portion like you said the the story that came out two Fridays ago in the morning Oh, it looks like Biden actually gained a few votes in the recount. Right. Well, the, the the report hadn't come out yet, so they leaked one aspect of it where he had gained like 99 votes in the recount. That doesn't include the whole audit. Right. So there's it's not just a lack of curiosity. It's a lack. I mean, it's a it's a brazen cover up for just what you want to be true, regardless of what actually is true. <clears throat> and again, I said this on the Andy Fry show this week that there is no term for this. Like, we we would say mainstream media, lamestream media, state-run media. None of those things really apply to this because it's not state-run media. And I, I flipped it and I said, it's really media-run state that we live in. The media absolutely decides this is what we want you to pay attention to. And the vast majority of Americans do. I mean, you have voices out there like us talking about it right now. But for the majority which is all you need in a, in a democracy, right? You just need the majority. Right. You have the narrative, and the press controls the narrative, and the politicians respond to them. Yes. I mean, it's not even like the politicians have the power here. It's the media controls. Because the media tomorrow could end the border crisis. They could bring attention to the election issues. Right. Now or going forward. They could end any of these spending pl- packages by talking about inflation. I mean, if they decided at the top, whatever, five places, New York Times, CNN. And I say CNN just because of narrative, not because of eyeballs. Like, right. nobody's watching them. But their stuff gets out there. If if just the top five decided this is the story, it would end it. And it takes so much now. It, it takes such a deluge of, of other information to overcome their power, like happened with Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to control Afghanistan because it was that bad. Right. They had to acknowledge how bad it was. With most other things, though, they get away with murder. Hopefully not literally, but right. <laughs> who knows, really. <laughs> Roy Wells is in studio with me. Thank you so much for joining. Can you stick around for another segment? Sure. Roy is a... Uh, <laughs> I tried to define who you were, but we'll just say multifaceted businessman involved in lots and lots of things here with us on Wiggins of America. We're going to talk a little entertainment coming up next. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.